0: Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue. Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy?
1: Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Lynn Hart, Garrett Eisler here today we're going to talk about season 5 episode 16 Felix the horse player which aired on January 23rd 1975 and is available to view on Paramount plus I think before we uh, talk about the writer we want to acknowledge the passing of a fellow major odd couple fan and podcast oh, yes Gilbert Godfried whose podcast we have, referenced numerous times and played clips from several times he did a whole 50th anniversary odd couple episode and it was very uh shocking to see that he had passed and and just and disturbing and upsetting Um, yeah
2: and i had been under the impression that he was still podcasting he is
1: he was recently they just they just did a (laughs) two-part sally struthers episode oh my god which of course we will probably quote <laughs> when we do our, well, I see. Talk.
2: Okay, which of course will be in tribute. Him.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that was the, they. They did that in January, and yes, there was a new podcast that they did just a week ago or so. Oh. Yes, so I think this was a, despite it being reported as a long illness, it seemed like a long illness that all of a sudden, did him in,
3: oh.
1: or that he was able to podcast through. perhaps, or both of those. Yes. uh so who is our writer for this episode so uh felix the horse player is written
2: by jack winter at least credited to jack winter who has um this is his fourth and final credited script for the series including one of our favorites the pen is mitered in the pencil
3: our first uh, episode very first episode
2: yes. that we pod- that we podcasted before we decided to just go in order um but he also wrote uh, Odd Decathlon and Oscar's New Life from season one, um, which are not quite as as legendary. The Decathlon. Uh, I think. I, the Decathlon's yeah. out there. Well, I, really? I thought you didn't like that one.
1: Oh, I thought I did.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I'm finding myself hard. We, at some point, we might have to. Uh,
1: i don't remember if you ask me like which ones have i given the highest ratings to i can't remember well i think as part of our <laughs> when we're done with the episodes our uh, wrap up before, yes before we move on all the family we're going to try to find several other things we yeah. do we
2: do need to make like a list like a yes all right kind of top
1: 10 list. that's on the list of things to discuss right. about what we're going right.
2: to do it is on our top 10 list of things to discuss to do a top 10 list exactly
1: maybe even a bottom 10 list. any more to say about
2: uh, no, but about writers, I just want to add something to the ongoing Carl Gottlieb fascination—at least between you and me—that um, even though Carl Gottlieb, uh, writer of Jaws, who we've uh, wrote, who was the credited writer on the uh, Oscar and Love episode recently, uh, it turns out I just noticed in the closing credits, this one—he was a creative consultant uh, in the credits for the, uh, for season five, and so he he uh, seems to have been on staff and was could have been involved in many episodes that he just didn't get a credit for. So was more involved than we thought. Okay. And yet no crossover
1: at all with John. So. We open with Oscar running on Central Park West. He's in a rush. He's checking his watch. The music, which I only know, I recognize the song, but I only know what it is because in the closed captioning on Paramount Plus, it said it. I was going to ask you what it was, but then I... Found in the cold oh, What did I mean. it say? Largo al factotum from Barbara oh, yeah. Seville. Figured, I
2: figured, figure figured. Figure.
1: Yes. Otherwise, never figured, out, figured, I figured. Yes. <laughs> um, so that is playing while he's running. Now, what's interesting here, and it's something I didn't know. Maybe you knew. Is we, you know, we've been talking about for obviously multiple seasons now that the San Remo apartment building where Tony Randall in, is lives in for real in real life was being used as their apartment building after 10 we assume 1049 park avenue they
2: recast the role of 1049
1: park avenue with another building but he's running a, in the background we see the awning that says san remo mm. and he is mm. running away from it like he's running mm. it's it's he's running the opposite direction mm. so i thought oh wow this is interesting he's running into another apartment building but what i discovered is that the san remo has two entrances because it is two towers Right, yeah, it's one of those buildings that like takes up the whole, the whole uh, Central Park West, whole block, basically. But it is, which happens for other, there are other buildings that do it, but they still have one entrance. But this mm-hmm. is uh, 145 and 146 Central Park West are both mm-hmm. San Remo entrances. I guess you enter depending on what tower you live in.
2: Right, but I guess have you, we've never noticed before what it, awning, or we never see the awning, you think. I, never seen we've never
1: awning. no, we never see the awning, and we've never seen two awnings, like one in the right. background. Right, right. And the only reason I figure this out, I mean, I used Google Maps and just looked at the block and yeah. saw that there's two awnings. And if you, right. and then if you Google the building, you'll find out that there it's got two addresses. Sure. So then we see Oscar come into the apartment, and we now figure out that the the Figaro 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 is actually playing on the radio in the living room. So that's unusual. They don't usually have that sort of musical yeah, right. external-internal connection. Uh, he grabs the radio from the living room, brings it to the kitchen. He's holding his ears because he does not he's annoyed by this music. He turns the channel, mm-hmm. and he starts to listen to a horse race. And we hear the announcer say, the weather is clear. The track is lightning fast. In just a few minutes, the horses will be approaching the starting gate. Oscar gets a beer from the refrigerator, opens it. And then we hear uh, the announcer again say, It's a fine day here in Long Island, and a cloud in the sky, and 52,000 of the faithful have turned out to see a truly great field go a grueling mile and a quarter. Now, Felix comes out from the hallway. He's got two pillows in his hand. He notices the radio's been changed. He slams the pillow down on the couch. He looks annoyed. He goes over the radio, turns the channel back to opera, and Oscar says, what are you doing? I'm listening to that, Felix. Felix says, nobody just listens to a horse race. You bet money on the race, didn't you? Oscar says, just a few dollars. Felix says, yeah, sure. How can you do it, Oscar? How can you do it? Oscar says, give me the radio. Felix says, all the money you owe me. Oscar says, please let me listen to the race. And that leads into our first clip. All the
0: please money you to owe me. Now. I'm gonna shoot you please, please, you just wait, just wait. Oh, not the book again. Please, not the book. Money's owed by Madison to Unger. Oh, Felix. Volume (laughs) 2. Will you cut it out?
3: 1969, $418. Felix, please.
0: 1970, $255. And who could ever forget 1971? Here's a real biggie. $812. That was the year my son Leonard couldn't go to camp. He got plenty of sun, didn't he? I took him to the racetrack twice a week. And you owe Leonard $40. <laughs> and now we come to 1972. Felix, I know exactly how much I owe you. $1,480. I'm going to pay you back every penny today. Sure. And chickens have lips. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you going yeah, to listen, listen to me? <laughs> when you get out of the way, it's a radio. On it's radio. Ch- ladies only the- noses apart, at the eight pole, it's Fluky, one head over ladies only, ladies only and Fluky, and they're coming to the finish line, and it's ladies only! Ladies only! He won! He won! He won! He won! He won! He won He won! He won a 40 to 1! Now let me see, there we go! What are you doing? What are you doing? You can mock me paid in full, chicken lips.
1: <laughs> um... There's two visuals in there that are noteworthy. Uh, At one point, Felix is standing in front of the radio and Oscar (laughs) asks him to move out of the way. And that's when Felix is watching it like a
2: television. Right.
1: And then at the end, Oscar tears up the pages from Felix's book that's called Money's Owed by Madison to Hunger, (laughs) Um, Volume two. Volume two. So after the credits. Hey, hey, interesting
2: little uh, factoid comes out of that book. You notice the when he's listing the years where the book starts?
1: 60 something,
2: 1969.
1: And what does that tell us?
2: Well, uh, you know, theoretically Oscar could have owed Felix money before they lived together. Yes, that's But I think the context clearly implies that since Felix has been living there, he is probably that makes it much you know easier for him to borrow from him. And uh and, uh, and the book starts in 1969. That's volume two, by the way, volume one, perhaps could go back to
1: 1968. So that would indicate the five year statement from the- I'm just episode.
2: saying it lends a little support to my revised theory that Felix moved in sometime between 1968 and
1: 1970, but not in 1970. So after the credits, Felix and Oscar are standing inside a restaurant which we will later see is the press box, which we've seen before.
2: <laughs> but in different, it looks different every time.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, they're, wait- just a different angle. they're waiting to be seated. Uh, Oscar snaps at the maitre d' and says, oh, Mac, hey. And the maitre d' comes over. He's an older, short man. And he says, you snapped, sir? Oscar says, yeah, our table. When is it going to be ready? We're starving. And the maitre d' says, in a minute, monsieur. The maitre d' is played by Fritz Feld who has 214 credits on IMDb. Yeah, very recognizable. His first credit is 1917 in a movie called The Gollum and the Dancing Girl. Many of his movie credits are kind of B-level, not very recognizable titles, but the ones that are are Secret Life of Walter Mitty, The News Hangs High with Abbott Costello, Pocket Full of Miracles, Barefoot in the Park, written by Neil Simon, mm-hmm. Sunshine Boys, which is also... Also Neil Simon. Simon and Hello, Dolly! Uh, And also, I didn't even make this connection until I was doing the research. There's an I Love Lucy episode where they go to Paris and Ethel and Fred go on a tour. And the tour manager or the tour guide is played by Fritz Feld. And as I am reading this, I'm saying, oh, my God, that is him. And Mm -hmm. so for me and my fellow I Love Lucy diehards, um, that may be an interesting connection. I know that doesn't include you. Uh, he did plenty of other op- episodic TV, Man from U.N.C.L.E. He was, uh, I guess, kind of a recurring on Lost in Space as Mr. Zumdish. Huh. He was a Batman. He was a Love American style. Hardy Boy, Super Train, the infamous Super Train. Uh, no, I don't. You don't know Super Train? <laughs> no. What is this
2: Super oh, Train? Oh,
1: my God. There's a whole podcast called, and eventually, Super Train. Super Train is wow. considered the biggest flop in the history of television. It was wow. an NBC Fred Silverman show. It was designed to be Love Boat on a Train. At the time it aired, it was the most expensive pilot mm-hmm. ever made, maybe the most expensive series ever made. I have a copy of the pilot script, and it is infamous in the annals of television as the kind of symbol of, of a television flop. Wow. Like it, it is, that's what it's become synonymous with.
2: you know what that makes sense to me because 1978
1: by 78 uh, so you were alive yes
2: uh i you know i in hello dolly i believe he also plays a waiter oh so that's right that's uh, well. that's what i'm
1: going he plays waiters and maitre d's and similar roles that's what he's that's what he played his entire career and
2: probably on super trains since it's like he he
1: probably is the yeah that's right um he is very he became very famous for making a pop noise with his mouth which is of course a big there you go a big part of this episode but that's something he knew i i, hear I, that? Can, I can tell the audience that i can see that Garrett is actually doing that <laughs> okay. the way fritz i, feld I can't it. do it as loudly as no, he does because he's he it's his superpower he's a pro right uh, but he you know if you google fritz feld pops you will see other examples of it before <laughs> before odd couple
2: I kind of like mixed that up in my mind with, I think it was Victor Borga, uh, who did a similar kind of funny, uh, funny noise bit with the question mark and the, you know, that kind of thing. Sesame Street sometimes and another... You
1: know what I'm talking about? I you know. I know Victor Borga is from many, especially from the many infomercials that uh, not infomercials. Direct <laughs> about his about his TV yeah, series, uh, right? Or no, his they would sell like DVDs or VHS cassettes of his performances. Right. But
3: right.
1: I don't know that I've ever actually seen Victor Borga do it. Oh, okay.
2: He, yeah, I think he did a. I get them confused sometimes because he also had a funny did funny noises with gestures that usually like but
1: he had a different noise for every punctuation mark do you also get him confused with michael winslow who's that from police academy <laughs> oh yes right uh
2: no i don't but okay. that that, that you're, you're you're right to link him as a, another member in this in this uh, very uh, uh unique subgenre of comedy
1: uh any chance your dad
2: interacted with fritzfeld he actually worked for, well he worked for victor borga but uh i feel he knew fritzfeld i i reckon i know who fritzfeld is because i think i remember my dad telling me who he is do we but,
1: remind listeners who your father is just for those who don't know uh mr eddie lawrence who is a well-known comedian uh oscar mox the maitre d saying monsieur and Felix mocks the way Oscar snaps his finger and says, so classy the way you do that. Oscar says, well, I want a table. Felix says, all right, enough suspense. What's the big surprise you brought me here for? Oscar says, well, the surprise is the guy I'm going to introduce you to is going to make us a millionaire. As he says this, he grabs some bread and pretzel sticks off of a tray being carried by a waiter, which mortifies <laughs> Felix. <laughs> now, did you recognize the waiter? Maybe you read my notes. Looks you- familiar. Yes. He looked familiar. He looks familiar. So he should look familiar. He's Robert Ball, who was Lou the Monk with the weird hair in the odd Monk. Yes, it's Lou the Monk. Yes. And this was not is... he also he was in the Paul
2: Williams, I think he showed up. Uh this is not Oh his... no, no, that was the no, 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 that was the bank
1: guy. Lou showed up somewhere else. Yeah, this oh, is in
2: a... the decathlon. I think Lou showed up in
1: decathlon. I think I I didn't write down this is not I think this is more than a second. Oh no, not decathlon. Ugh, okay anyway he showed up somewhere else (laughs) yes this is not his second appearance this is more than his second appearance i only wrote down lou because i think that's where he's most known from right so oscar eats the bread and the audience is laughing at this which is because it's very funny felix stares at him while he eats the bread and says really oscar just nods and keeps eating felix says does this have anything to do with horses per chance oscar says as a matter of fact felix says goodbye oscar Oscar says, will you wait a minute, Felix? (laughs) This is not the first time. This is three out of three winners. Now I'm sure. Felix says, oh, now you're sure? Felix and Oscar says, I got a guy at the racetrack that's giving me inside information. Felix says, really? Oscar says, yeah. Felix says, like that 82-year-old gypsy who could see horses in the tea leaves? Did she ever give you one winner? Oscar says, no, but she was right about that earthquake in Peru, wasn't she? I just couldn't (laughs) get a bet down in time. I wish I could get a table. He snaps his fingers again. And uh, and says, "Hey, the minute is up. May I have a table, sir?" And now two people walk in behind them, and the maitre d says to them, "Oh, your honor, right this way." And they get a seat ahead of Felix and Oscar. And the man who that I guess the judge comes in and hands the maitre d some money as a tip, and that leads to this next clip.
0: Yes, what is going on? I gotta get a table. Snapping and calling like that. What am I supposed to do? do? Smear the guy. Give him at least two dollars, and you do it subtly. I know how to do it. Once I know what the procedure is. Hey, buddy. Hey, three dollars. I'm out of table. This way, Monsieur. (laughs) To the bar. You're getting closer. (laughs) Felix, what are you doing there? Come on. I'm ashamed to be seen with you. I'm at the bar. I got closer. notice me.
3: Come
0: on. <laughs> Harry, I'd like you to meet my roommate, Felix Sanger. Felix, i like you to meet Harry Tolman. How do you do, Mr. Tolman? <laughs> sit, sit, come on. You must be a jockey. Well, I tried to be, but I was too small. Yeah, he ain't kidding. See, I wrote an article on him called Shorten the Saddle. And that article uh, got me a job as an exercise writer. Thanks to Oscar. So that's why you're giving him tips, Ooh, huh? you? we're trying to keep it a secret. Harry, I want you to tell Phoenix. Those tips you gave me now, were they luck or were they sure things? Tell him.
3: They won, didn't they? <laughs> See? I
0: mean, he's got a knack with horses. He works them out in the morning. He knows they can run six followers, like 110-3, 112. We're going to make a fortune. Shh. Don't worry. We're going to be careful. From now on, we'll use our code. Okay, Harry? I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. Well, I think I'll go. So on, kid. <laughs> Now you are him. Three out of three winners. You want to risk your money? No. My mother didn't raise her children to be suckers. Okay, suit yourself. You're keeping us ready, monsieur. Finally. Yeah, you go ahead, Felix. I'm stuffed. <laughs>
1: So one of the reasons Oscar stuffed is another visual where he stole an olive out of a martini that the waiter's carrying. (laughs) And then at the end, he steals an apple out of the suckling pig that is brought by.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great bit, right? Throughout the whole scene, he just grabs whatever food is. He grabs, like, the the garnish or something from every plate that is brought by him.
1: And he has a meal. Uh, When Harry enters and he says he doesn't want them to notice him, He's 4'3", it's the actor, we'll talk about the actor in a second, in real life. He's wearing a trench coat and a fedora, and he sticks <laughs> out very prominently. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, the his name is Harry Tallman. Tallman. Harry's played by Jerry Marin, who was one of the original Lollipop Guild uh, people in The mm. Wizard of Oz. And he played a quote-unquote midget in many uncredited movie roles. And then also an assortment of spacemen and gremlins and other types of roles like right. that in TV sure. shows and movies. He was in the Beverly Hillbillies, Bewitched, Star Trek, Wild Wild West, Planet of the Apes. He was in Hello Dolly as well.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Mary. I don't remember Hart- any little people in Hello Dolly? Mary Hartman.
1: Mary Hartman in Spaceballs. Now, he was also in the Yada Yada episode of Seinfeld. Mm. That's He's right. The yeah. father of one of the girls at Kramer and Mickey dated, <laughs> And what is that special connection <laughs> we have to that?
2: Uh-huh. That was an appearance by uh, an actress who uh, actually we were at school with.
1: Yes. Right? Allie Marsh is the name of the actress. We went to high school with her, and she was that in. Was, I believe that was one of her first uh, very prominent roles. And
2: she's gone on to, I see her all the time on TV. She's yes. gone on to a lot of
1: them. She was in Howard Stern's private parts as the blind girl who rejects Howard Stern. <laughs> I'm sure. That's how she wants to be remembered. Yes. <laughs> um, but she was in, I think she's in, I think there's two episodes that she appears in in Seinfeld. And I think this is the first, she goes on the double date. And then at the end, Kramer. Right. Meets her parents. And so
2: she, she knows this actor or knew. Yeah. Right. She, around.
1: the actor played her father. Um. I maybe I'll reach out to her and and tell her. (laughs) Um, I have seen her around uh, various places. Anyway, so that's an interesting connection we have to uh, uh, Jerry Marin, who uh, that was his, I think that was one of his final roles on Seinfeld. So next we see a montage. A montage starts with horses running on a track. Oscar's cheering on his horse, which clearly wins because Oscar's very excited. He's eating an apple. You do see a crowd behind him. And they seem clearly interested in watching Jack Klugman. Like they're mm. not. They're supposed to oh, I didn't to be notice. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, then we see Oscar walking down a street. He drops a tissue on purpose, and when he bends down to pick it up, we see Harry, or what I think is somebody else wearing a mm-hmm. wig. I don't mm-hmm. think this is Jerry mm-hmm. Marin. Right. Um, right. he the 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 Harry quote unquote leans into the sidewalk. While standing in front of a gate that's surrounding a tree as if he's hiding behind his gate and he he's whispers, hiding behind the tree right yeah. he whispers to oscar the race you know who's the horse to bet on
2: <laughs> then we yeah, say, yeah, they come yeah. up with all these they try to come up with all these visual gags of like their secret code and all that which actually as you said with <laughs> him in the trench coat actually seem more conspicuous yes simply talking <laughs>
1: uh we see oscar belmont park in queens he has a racing paper in his hands he points at it while he's telling a vendor he has one he buys a ticket to enter the park we could see again people behind him watching the show film being filmed and we see another horse race we see oscar at a cashier's window at a track at the track he's at the window labeled hundred dollars i guess i he's he's picking he's cashing in his ticket the uh this booth is labeled hundred dollars next to him there's one labeled ten dollars and one labeled fifty dollars and he gets this giant roll of money that he puts inside his breast pocket there's some good music that's playing over this i feel like i hey. haven't heard before yes? Oh, okay yeah go ahead play. I, I, I play, this is just the music we hear this also is played later but we're just going to play a little bit of it now <laughs> It's a little, it reminds me a little bit of the Vegas theme. A little bit of the Vegas theme. Oh, interesting. If you remember the well, Vegas theme. I uh,
2: don't, but... Um, the Robert, your uh, TV show is what I'm referring to. Yes. Ah, uh, right, right. I, um, yeah, it does seem familiar that they could have used it in other episodes. Um, I, uh, you know, this reminds me that we've talked in the past about who is really doing, writing the music for the series. Um, because, of course, Neil Hefty wrote the theme and uh, a couple of other, uh, he wrote the movie theme and some of the movie music is used in certain music cues. But it does, as uh, listeners have pointed out to us, it does seem that he would not have been as involved in the day-to-day, even though he's credited as the, I think he's credited as the uh, theme music composer on every episode of the series. There were every season um, uh, accredited like deputy music editor or assistant music editor or music editor and those could very well have been the person who wrote other incidental music which i i can't find and i'm looking up the credits now they don't have that on imdb but
0: all
1: right
2: but it also and also some stuff like that could also be paramount stock music
1: you know something they already use as you said did paramount do you know if paramount did vegas uh well Vegas was after the odd couple Oh, we, but uh, 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 Vegas was Aaron Spelling, so that would not be. Oh, that right. could be. That would be end up being Paramount, I guess, because it fell to Viacom. Uh, but I don't. But that Vegas was years later. You're right; so it came later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they would have. Yeah, no, this is definitely not the TV theme from Vegas. It just reminds me of it. Ah, okay.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, before we go on, I just you know, we we're, we're talking about all these location shots, all these filmed uh bits um which are a big part of this episode there's a lot of location uh filming uh the reason i think you're right that that's not jerry maron uh, other than we don't see his face when they clearly could show it and uh, is that uh, those are shot in new york and yeah. jerry maron would have been in la right to tape the series so they probably would not have flown him to new york just to do those uh those inserts but the other factor i forgot to mention at the top is that yet again we have a weird sequence uh, uh issue with this episode this is actually this episode was the last thing filmed at the end of season four
3: ah, well,
2: so this sense. is the one they of, of the three that they did at the end of season four this is the one they for some reason held on to the longest uh and so this is already like airing something like at least six months after they taped it uh and i wonder whether the new york shots might have been added they could have been added in the summer after that's what i would guess yeah right right so they could have done a lot added to the episode that way um and so that's an interesting factor in, in this episode um i also wonder whether it's well anyway but it's also uh i'm curious about the racetracks because i can't uh, i don't know the racetracks well enough to be able to spot them so uh i didn't but i want i don't understand how they i i assume at
1: least some of those racetrack shots could be in holly uh, at the famous hollywood river so i think so i i didn't do is here's what i saw when they go to buy the tickets to go into the park and there's a they're pamphlets sitting on the outside desk that say Belmont Race Park. Oh, okay. So That's I am okay. assuming that unless they brought those in to put them in the LA racetrack, I thought this was Belmont Race Park in right. Queens. I didn't then right. then Google that to image that to see if that matches up with what this looks like. Right. There there's
2: so many different racetrack shots, they could have been a different...
1: They could be uh, a composite. Uh, I think there's only... I think for the actual racetrack, that's not like a studio, like the, the booths. I, I believe they're all Belmont. That's what I think. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's well, then they, they definitely would have had to do that in New York. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, I also know very little, I know nothing about horse racing, <laughs> so I could easily be wrong. And if somebody wants to tell us where those were filmed, we will share that. We're back at the press box. Oscar sitting at a table in the middle of the room. Now, clearly he has status. There's some people who I would describe as hangers on eating dinner with Oscar. He calls them his entourage. We never <laughs> learn how Oscar meets them. We never know their names. We never see them again. One is a man about Oscar's age, another is a younger blonde woman, and there's a younger brunette woman. They're all laughing very loud, and standing behind them are the Mater D and the waiter from before. The man says to Oscar, you're killing me, and the brunette woman, I don't know if you noticed this, I never noticed this before, says tapeworm. Which well, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. seems it's, to it be seems the rhythm. What? It seems to be the punchline that Oscar said. Right. Yes, they they
2: the scene is in mid-sentence where Oscar's just told a joke is the idea,
1: right? Right, yes. Now, did you ever notice and, that she says tapeworm before this? No. I did not myself. I guess that was the punchline. Yes. Solid punchline. The waiter d serves Oscar food saying, Mr. Madison, we prepared for you your usual Chateaubriand. Oscar very untactfully, hands of money. <laughs> Just for delivering, <laughs> for serving the plate. Yeah. Oscar says, oh, thank you, Armand, thank you. So now we know the waiter d's name is Armand. Mm-hmm. Oscar cuts into it, says, oh, that looks terrific. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, that's the way you serve a steak. You call that well done? Armand says, oh, sorry, sir. Oscar says, I mean, with a little care that could have lived. Then the man hanger on repeats that line and laughs at it. And the whole table laughs. And Armand and the waiter and the brunette laugh. And the brunette then again says, tapeworm. (laughs) Different joke. I know. It's weird. (laughs) Armand says, monsieur, I will tell the chef immediately to burn a fresh steak for you. Oscar says, good. Thank you very much, Armand. Armand takes Oscar's steak. And then he hands it and he serves it to another customer. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Even though it's been cut open. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's an older man and he says, you're Chateaubriand, monsieur? The audience, by the way, loves the joke. It's very funny, but they really enjoy it. Uh, Oscar says to the brunette, here, honey, put a little caviar on one of the crackers for me, will you? She says, oh, sure. Then we see Felix walk in. And that is leading to this clip.
0: The hey, Do you want me to get rid of this creep, Mr. Madison? I'm his roommate. Yeah, it's my roommate. Leave him alone not... No, I'm just protecting you from the leeches, baby. <laughs> That's <laughs> all. Could I never see it, I want you to meet my entourage. Hello, Entourage. Hi
3: there.
0: <laughs> oh, will it be quail's eggs, pate, caviar, it's all on me. It certainly is. Not in front of my <laughs> can I talk to you, please? Oh yeah, sure. Be the man. See you later, okay? Come on, goodbye. Take care. I not forget. I meet you all ten o'clock tomorrow morning at Tiffany's. Eh? Ah. I know you love me. I know you love me. They love me. What is this? What are you doing? I'm living on my fantasies. Oh, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> Don't you realize that he who calls the tune must pay the piper? What are you going to do when the golden goose dies? They'll serve it to me under glass. (laughs) What good is all this doing you? You're blowing it as fast as it comes in. That's impossible. You see this here? See that? Mouth right there. See? You mean you're making so much money you have to carry a gun? (laughs) It's not a gun. It's more money. I can't lose. I got a gold mine. The only thing missing is I'm not sharing all this good fortune with my best friend. Well, I have an entourage, too. Blood, sweat, and tears. I work for my money. Today wipes out a lifetime of losses. I am in the black for a lifetime. You mean that you've won more in the last week than you've lost in your whole life? Now you got it. Including your bets on the St. Louis Browns? Yeah. And Thomas E. Dewey? Yes. And all those white heavyweights? Every penny of them. And you're proud of that, aren't you? That you're making money without lifting a finger. Doesn't it bother you that decent people like me have to work for a living? No. Well, it doesn't bother me either. I want to be with you.
1: So the man hanger on is played by Frank Laverde. This is fourth and final odd couple. He had some smaller roles. What others. was he in
2: before? He
1: was in, I don't remember. Uh, he was in uh, Surprise, Surprise. I think he was one of the poker players. And uh, he was a, uh, I looked it up and I just it wasn't anything okay so I didn't. It, it says like one line or something. Uh, the brunette is played by someone named Elizabeth Thompson, who seems to have credits on some TV shows. Who I who I confused with Mitzi at first. Oh, I thought she was.
2: I thought we had Mitzi. the third coming out. Of Mitzi.
1: Uh, the main visual joke here is that when Oscar says the food is all on him, Felix says it certainly is, and he wipes Oscar's tie, which embarrasses him in front of his entourage. Entourage. The St. Louis Browns is a. Was a team <laughs> that eventually became the Baltimore Orioles in 1953, but they were a perennially losing team up to that point, which is by a, by the way a very old reference for 1975. Mm-hmm. We talk about bad, yes, and the, right? For the team that didn't even exist after 1953, and of course mm-hmm. Thomas Dewey lost two presidential elections, and of course is the famous Dewey of the famous false headline Dewey defeats Truman, and that's 1948. Yes, yeah, so. so
2: these these lends credence to the uh, friendship of oscar felix really going back to or possibly the
1: war or oscar telling him about stuff he used to bet on right theoretically well, he right. Yeah, yeah it's possible so now the next scene oscar sitting on his bed what about
2: the great white
1: hope the yeah. great white hope
2: reference the yes. white heavyweights. white right heavyweight yeah <laughs> that's a little that's but there were white heavyweights
1: who were successful right? i
2: know but in but well, in the era of the 60s, though, I guess, you know, of the era especially of Muhammad Ali, which is when this is taking place, um,
1: not as much. The next scene, Oscar sitting on his bed, he's on the phone saying number five, right? Two heads of lettuce, vinegar and a lot of oil. Right. Got you. Bye. Felix walks in with a newspaper and says, what's that le- lettuce? And, what's that about lettuce and oil? Oscar's looking at the newspaper and says, which I think is the racing form and says, that's Harry's secret code. And here it is. Fifth race. Tossed salad. Felix says, isn't that wonderful? Oscar I love says, the horse. I love the horse names they come up with. Yes. Yeah, Oscar says, you bet it is. Now, Oscar's kicking a pile of clothes on the floor. And Felix asks, what is he doing? Oscar says, well, I'm so rich. I'm going to burn all my clo- old clothes. Then Felix looks over and sees another pile of clothes on the floor and says, what's this pile? And Oscar says, that's my new clothes. Mm-hmm and then oscar notices that felix has the racing form and asks what he's doing with it and that leads to this clip
0: felix Unger does not simply invest he gets involved i want to learn the horse game from the fetlocks up all you have to know is ask me who's going to win i'll tell you and then you bet on it winning i understand it what do they mean when they say place and show oh come on felix everybody knows what they mean when they say please it's and not show. mentioned in the encyclopedia britannica Race means when a horse comes in second. Show me when it comes in third. Well, what's the difference? Well, it means you can get paid if your horse comes in second or third. Your horse can finish third and they give you money. Yeah. Oh, but he's got to finish just a, a teeny weeny bit oh, behind the winner. not matter. he got finished twenty lengths behind, <laughs> you still doesn't matter. he's still get paid. Your horse can get beaten by twenty lengths
3: <laughs>
0: and they still pay you? Yeah. AND YOU'VE BEEN LOSING MONEY
3: ALL THESE YEARS?! <laughs> come on,
0: Phoenix, there are a lot of horses in a race. Besides, you don't win as much if you bet a horse to come in third, if you do bet him to win. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. What else you wanna know? Everything. The horses, the jockeys, the tracks. I'm a clean slate, Oscar. Right on me. Oh, come on. Phoenix, I don't have the time. I wanna get a bet in on tossed salad. Now, you wanna bet with me? The odds are four to one. Now, what does that mean? Four to one? That means for every dollar you bet, you get four out back. Ah. Okay, good. I'll do it. A dollar. A dollar? You can't bet a dollar. I'll risk it. No. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to go all the way and risk at least two dollars. All right. I'll go all the way. Two dollars. You sure that's all? Well, this is my first time. Then I'll be gentle. Hello, everyone. Oscar. Yeah. Fifth race. Tossed salad. I want $202 to win. That's right. $202. (laughs) The two dollars? the 2 dollars from Felix the Greek. Yeah, bye bye. That's my code name, huh? All right, you better see. You got two dollars to win. To win? Yeah. No, no, it should be one dollar to win. And then seventy cents to place. And thirty cents to show. You call her when explain it to me. That's
1: very, it's, that's a great scene. Um, yeah well
2: it's another teaching scene right yeah yeah and it is funny. i i think they do feel the need to explain these terms to the layman yeah <laughs> to the wider television audience because felix is playing pretty dumb in a way uh which oscar says like come on what do you mean you don't know that um are pretty naive i should say and um but uh, it's it is funny and it is uh there's a lot of great references here first of all Irwin is back
1: Although we just remember. Well, that
2: uh, <laughs> that's what this was season four. This was the end of season four before Erwin. Um, when did Erwin quit? Erwin was driven out. Oh, no. Erwin was there for the wedding. Right. For yeah. The, for the wedding. Right. Oh, yeah. We've already tracked how Ir, it's, he comes and goes. Right. Yeah. Uh, someone was worried that Erwin was put out of business. Oh, that's, no, that's no, this episode. Sorry, Sorry. Uh, see, all is confusing. It's all uh, blending together for me. Um, the other reference is, um, <laughs> I'll be gentle with you.
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How'd they get one that one by the senses We cut to a new scene. We see Oscar getting a beer from the kitchen. Oscar says, Felix, hurry up. Will you? And the race, the race is going to start any minutes, any minute. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. Oscar says, Felix, hurry up. Will you? The race is going to start any minute. Felix comes out in a very tight fitting Kind of beaten up, moth-eaten purple V-neck sweater that has stripes on it.
2: Not only tight-fitting, it is it 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 comes down only like halfway down his torso.
1: (laughs) Oscar asks about the sweater. Felix says it's my lucky sweater. I wore it all through grammar school. It won (laughs) it won me the spelling bee, the potato race at the picnic, and I was wearing it when my skin cleared up. (laughs) And he shows Oscar the back of the sweater that his name is on it. And now we hear the announcer start to call the race, and that leads to this. What?
0: And they're off! Come out of the gate! It's a music lad, a silver oak, a nick time, Roddy G, rabbit Hub, and toss salad. Oh no! No, it's early. Too. You mean we still have a chance? Of course we have a chance. <laughs> come on, sweater, Come on, sweat! In, <laughs> In the back stretch, it's silver oak, nick time, music man, Roddy G, Rabbit Hub, and toss salad. The sweater isn't working. Come on, come <laughs> it. on, take it off me! Take it off me! Take it off! me, turn, Silver Oak and Music Man and coming through on the rail, Toss Salad. It's working, it's working.
3: It's
0: working. if he doesn't win, i lose everything. Yeah, you blow a whole $2. Silver Oak, here comes Toss Salad. Now he makes his move, you call yourself a horse. Then, Silver Oak and Toss Salad. Silver Oak's Toss Salad, As they cross the finish line, it's Toss Salad. He was playing with them. He could have done it at any time. He was playing with them. I won ten big ones, fellas. Maybe you shouldn't do this anymore. You get too excited. Are you kidding? 400% on my investment in a minute and a half. And to think all these years, I've been squandering my savings in a bank. And for what? A lousy 5% in a free water pig. What are you doing? taking my money away from those robber barons why should i risk my savings on blue chips mutual funds treasury bonds i've got a midget named harry
1: i think that is one of the top lines in the whole series <laughs> yes, a questionable midget rip joke but yes uh... aside from that i feel like that's <laughs> his
2: delivery really yeah. sells it uh Hey, by the way, that five percent interest sounds pretty good. And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "That's <laughs> a lot of that's a lot of interest."
1: <laughs> uh, we have more montage scenes now. Felix and Oscar enter what I think is Belmont Park. Felix is literally skipping in. We see a race. We see Oscar again at the hundred-dollar booth, and Felix is jumping up and down like he did in the password episode in his chair. All oh, right. We see Felix and Oscar in the stands of the park, looking at some jockeys. Felix and Oscar wave to the jockeys that I don't think Harry Harry's in that group because he's not a jockey. And they hmm. also, they don't want to know, they want to be obviously they know Harry. So I'm not yeah, sure right. why they're waving at jockeys. Maybe it's just a thing you do. Maybe you <laughs> Or do maybe that. it's just the
2: thing Felix the thing is doing. Because
1: he's... Or maybe it's just what you do when you're like, if you wave at baseball players. So. Uh, there's more racing. Oscar again walks on the same street before. We don't see Harry now until Oscar turns around and we see that Harry was right behind standing back-to-back with Oscar, but he was a because he's so short. They're, and they're both wearing trench coats. Trench coats, yes. More racing. Now Felix and Oscar are in the front of the stands cheering on their horse. We see people in the stands now rubbing Felix's lucky sweater, which is <laughs> funny, although I don't know how that would happen, but it's funny. Oscar walks down the street again, and we see Harry's hand come out from an alley and hand Oscar a piece <laughs> of paper. Again, Very suspicious looking. Oscar and Felix again enter Belmont Park. More horse racing. Oscar's now at the $10 window and Felix is at the $100 window. Felix jumps again. More racing. Felix is rubbing his lucky sweater while watching the race standing next to Oscar. We see them celebrate when the horse wins. And more jumping from Felix. More racing. Now Felix goes back and forth between the $10 window and the $100 window. And even eventually the $50 window placing bets.
2: Now, by the way, all this, all this I, I, I watched this on the uh, Decades rerun, and all of this was a cut from oh, that version. interesting. This, this, this particular
1: sequence, not the other one. Felix is at the press box now. He's counting his money in front of everyone in the restaurant. A cigarette girl comes by with a large tray of cigarettes, and that's where we'll pick up this clip.
0: Yes, I'll take them all. Please put them right here. Here's $50. Thank you. No smoking! That's Tchaikovsky, isn't it? Enough of that sentimental tripe. Next time you see me in here, please play Bach and Bach only. Thank you. Voilà, monsieur. Chateau Flaubert, 1953. A magnificent little wine. <laughs> that was very good. How do you do that? Oh, monsieur. <laughs> Thank you, Monsieur. Don't beg. Ah, uh, Monsieur, medicine. Right, um, what would you like to eat? Just give me the usual, will you? One venison and an onion roll. Yeah. A lot of mayonnaise, huh? Well, how else would one have it, Monsieur? That's a terrific jagger, buddy. Thank you, Monsieur. thanks to you. <laughs> Listen, traffic over here was murder. we still got a half hour. Harry called me. I got some good news in the fifth race. Go ahead. He told me that the favorite's been sneezing all day. Means a long shot has a better chance. I want us to double up our bet. Great. I've got even better news. What? We did so well in the Daily Double that we've completely wiped Irwin out of the business. He was here a half an hour ago made his final payoff. He's out of the business? Isn't that wonderful? No, that's terrible. Who are we going to make the bet with now? <laughs> you know plenty of bookies. Yeah, but nobody I would trust with a bet that large. Yeah. Then what, what? we better get to the track We won't have time. We got to go to OTB. What's that? Off track betting. The city will be our bookie. Why didn't we bet with the city to begin with? Because Irwin is a better risk. Come
1: on, let's go. <laughs> uh Can you explain to me? I don't understand. Tchaikovsky is sentimental, Cripe Bach is not. I don't understand.
2: Oh, okay. Well, Tchaikovsky is literally a romantic composer, not just in love, but the romantics, like romantic poetry, and is all about the emotion and beautiful melodies. At least that's what he's uh, admired for. He's very popular, very popular composer because of his beautiful melodies and big emotion. And uh, Bach is a uh, is, is considered by classical music fans as a, like a more acquired taste, more intellectual, refined. Doesn't rely on beautiful melodies and big feelings. More technical. So that's I kind of get that. Although Felix is an opera lover, and which is all like sentimental strife. So uh, I looked but up he's being a good, It's a good. He's being a good snob. He's being right. a
1: you know. He's a that snob. part I picked up. Um, I don't think Ch- Chateau Flaubert is a real wine.
2: I don't think so either because Flaubert is a famous French
1: novelist. So yes. I seems like it may, sounds made up. Uh, we hear the famous Fritz L. pop Pop uh, four times here, yeah. including once at Felix. the second pop, Felix has him a tip and he has a third time. And that's when Felix says, don't beg. Right. Then we <laughs> see like Felix. And, feel. So after this clip, we see Felix. Wait, and, but yes.
2: uh, I just can't let go without mentioning the uh, cigarette bit. You know, it's really funny that I, uh, I'm not sure I ever got this as a kid watching this, but well, first of all, let's note that there is a cigarette, quote, cigarette girl with the tray, you yes. know, attached to her selling cigarettes in a restaurant because of course smoking was still allowed, if not encouraged in such places. And, um, and when I was watching this and I said, well, why is, Felix, why is Felix buying all the cigarettes? Because he doesn't, he's against smoking. And then the joke is he buys them, just so he can ban it, he can prevent anyone from smoking.
1: Yeah. I think that's funny. It is. It's very funny. And uh, it's very Tony Randall. It's, that's, how, that's of course his personal crusade people know about. We see Felix and Oscar leaving the press box. This is the scene where we now know that the restaurant they've been eating in for three scenes now uh, right. is the press box. They're uh, just using the, probably the same
2: exterior they, they had always from use the other.
1: I think. Uh, I don't oh, know. Here
2: you said they're exiting. You see, they're you exiting, see exit. yes, and running. Did uh, we they, ever establish whether there was a real press bomb? Yes, there restaurant? was. Yes, because okay.
1: you could tell from the outside this is not a fake set. Yes, I a real restaurant.
2: And so the idea is it was always a, a
1: sports bar that he would hang out in. I but think of course, I would think the maitre, maitre d would know who he was. Yeah, I, I, the, <laughs> I don't believe when they filmed the interiors that they knew what the yes, exterior shot right, was. Right, right. So they start running to OTB. Uh, Oscar dashes inside. Felix, I don't know if you notice this, he hangs around outside for a little while, kind of looking oh. to make sure no one notices he goes in. <laughs> which is also very conspicuous.
2: Since he's wearing, we didn't mention that he's wearing a very loud jacket and ascot yeah. in his rich phase, and his rich snob phase, which also stands out. Uh, he By does... the way, about OTB, this is, a again, going back to the Oscar Almost Gets Married episode uh which was filmed six months after this but aired before do you remember it? in that episode he tells the bedtime story to his fiance's kids about Irwin, how how the sad story of 52nd street Irwin, who got put out of business by otb yes something called some a plague across the land called off-track vetting which of course was bad for bookies And indeed, OTB started. I looked it up after that episode. It it opened in the early
1: seventies, nineteen seventy-one. There you go. But it closed down uh, at some point. Uh, I was just. Are you saying there isn't? There's no longer
2: an OTB. I I was just looking up here. I guess. Well, I guess kind of the internet finally did away with OTB.
1: Uh, Yeah, I assume that the horse tracks um, (laughs) allowed uh, online betting. Uh, Corporation filed for uh, bankruptcy in two thousand nine and new york city otb closed all of its parlors in 2010 So the end of an wow. era there um so they're in the in the off-track betting um oscar's filling out a betting slip and a man comes over to him and says hey oscar i hear you're doing great what is it you got some inside info this man is played by don diamond who actually had a fairly steady TV career. He was a regular on The Adventures of Kit Carson, on Zorro. He was on F Troop as Crazy Cat. And unless IMDb has gotten his name wrong here, because I did try to make sure this was the same guy. Um, so I'm going with IMDb. He was on many guest shots, including Quincy, Colombo, Adam 12, Lou Grant, Barney ding, Holmes, ding Quincy. Dynasty, in Dallas. Oscar says, oh, no, no, no. You know, I don't cover the horses in my column. And the man says, oh, you must be on a something if you broke Irwin. Oscar says, no, I just happen to be on a little lucky streak. That's all. And the man says, well, yeah, well, I'm going to watch everything you do so I can bet along right with you. Now, Oscar tells Felix that they're in trouble because these people know he's hot and they're going to bet on the horse he bets on, which will knock down the odds. And they are lucky if they could get even money. seems hard to me to believe that one or two people in an off-track betting parlor, betting with him can knock down the odds. Doesn't it take yeah. a lot of people betting to get that? That would be my understanding of the, the mathematics of it, yes. Felix asks, what can they do? And Oscar says that he's going to bet on another horse, but only $20, and Felix will make the big bet. And that leads to this scene.
0: And uh-huh. <laughs> Rings and things. Aha! Rings and things rhymes with jingling. Rings and things. But you're not with me. You're not with me. Don't you know tell gotcha. right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, I hear you're getting it on the inside. Oh no, no. Oh, thank you very much sir, for letting me read your paper. My pleasure, stranger. Just a little touch of southern hospitality. Very nice of you. <laughs> I hope I'll run into you again sometime, though I don't consider it very likely, because I'm very seldom in this part of the country. Enough, Colonel. (laughs) You know what you were telling me about the selling window, this is it. Ah, I understand perfectly. Perfectly. Come on, Oscar, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Well, fellas, I'm going to bet on Tanglefoot, but I wish you wouldn't go with me. I mean, I've been going sour. Well, well, looks as though we're neighbors, stranger. You still betting that same horse? Who's betting? Who's you bet? Who's who's you bet? bet? Yes. Still using that same system? What system? What system? What's I don't see how closing your eyes and sticking a pin through a program can work. <laughs> However, as <laughs> they say in my part of the country, one man's chicken is another man's gumbo. Take it easy, Mister. You ain't going no place. <laughs> it- Foot and rings and things, tangled foot and rings and things, and neck and neck, nose and nose, and at the wire, it's rings and things that went out. <laughs> oh, do you, do <laughs> oh, you want to have You stinky yeah, Addison, Mr. <laughs> you tell I'm sorry, fellas. Well, I'm going back to my old system. Find out who you're betting on, and then go against them. Don't blame you. Closing your eyes and poking a program. Tough luck, strangers, but those are the breaks of the game, aren't they? Well, if you're ever down to my neck of the woods, I hope you all drop in and we'll split a possum, yeah.
1: So what I didn't say at the beginning of the clip was that Felix tells them to bet on rings and things. Um so another man comes to talk to Oscar in the clip, and that is our old friend Johnny Silver. Johnny Silver. Making his fifth appearance and final odd couple appearance. And
2: and and, and going back to season one, yes. he has been, I never realized he was one of the most frequent uh, supporting players.
1: Um, I never understood why Oscar says enough Colonel. Is that <laughs> something about that Southern voice that makes yeah, it Colonel? It's like, a,
2: it's like Colonel Sanders. Or Colonel Tom you know, Parker. It's like, right. It's exactly. It's like, it, it, it's the stereotypical image that all like, big boastful southern men, or old man or colonel something i see. know because some civil war cliche
1: I don't know. um yeah but isn't the- it
2: now isn't it hilarious how felix like instantly goes into creating character <laughs> yes like oscar is simply saying stay away from me but instead he actually has to again come up with the most conspicuous
1: and also <laughs> kind of character this, i mean I guess none of these friends have ever met Felix. I mean, they know he lives with somebody.
2: Well, well, to be fair, we haven't seen him in any other episodes. So. Yeah, Johnny Silver, we've seen in four other episodes. What are you talking I'm about? Play-
1: <laughs> with this I guy,
2: he's now, now a defrocked priest. Is what yeah, yes. Doesn't he remember him from when he helped and out? The, and a former uh, playwright
1: and a, uh, Yes. Uh, so at the end when the horse oscar bets on loses the one he actually bets on he is looking he's facing these men and he's got a very disappointed face but then he turns around and he like basically hugs felix and touches felix on the mouth because he's on the face because he's so happy so he goes back and forth between looking sad that is a great yeah yeah
2: that is a great bit of physical comedy where he has to like fake being mad at with the uh, two guys and then go back and forth to cheering with felix
3: yeah
1: uh the next scene we're back in the living room the doorbell rings oscar asks felix uh who is it and felix opens the people and he says there's nobody there oscar says that it must be harry let him in so felix gets on his tippy toes and he looks down into the people and he says hi harry come on in Harry walks in wearing a suit. Oscar says, hey, I thought we weren't supposed to meet. And Harry says, it doesn't matter anymore. I quit. Oscar says, you what? Harry says, well, I'm a happy man now. I finally made it as a jockey. Jockey. I'm going to ride in Panama. Felix says, oh, great. Congratulations. You can give us great tips as a jockey. Oscar says to Felix, I don't know any Panama bookies. Oscar says, oh, I'm sorry, Oscar. I hate to let you down like this. Oscar says, what do you mean, let us down? Listen, you've been so terrific to us. I want to thank you for everything you did, and I want to tell you I wish you the best of luck there in Panama. Harry says, oh, I almost forgot. If it means anything to you, Yellow Angel is running in the third. I didn't ride him, but he looks real good. And that leads to our final scene.
0: For everything, Harry. Thanks, Harry. At last, I'm a jockey. I feel five feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) Yellow Angel in the third. It's a sure thing. No, no, I didn't hear. I was saying sure thing. Third, third. What are you doing? The odds are 12 to yeah, 1. didn't seem very positive. We He's can retire to... for no, life. He didn't He's seem excited 20. about it. Where's Oscar? This isn't Oscar. No, I may have lost him. I think I turned we into a chicken. We have I know, 25 no. pounds of money in oh. here at 12 to 1. It'll, It'll be 300 pounds of money. Oh, you're but the penthouse. Oh, no, oh the terrors the pool, to... the, the billiard to... room. Oh, come, come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but let's take some of the money. I'll put it aside for something we really need. Then we'll bet the rest. Okay. Okay. Five dollars for socks. nose felix they call it losing by a nose how can they tell from those pictures all cameras distort yeah, you're probably right but it can't change a thing what about that foul i know i saw that other horse bump him even if he did it doesn't mean anything the jockey didn't tell them we could tell them and what happened right they call everybody up all the winners and they say listen there's been a mistake give all your money to felix and us yes yes I can't do they just don't will you stop already and put yourself together i <laughs> don't you know how you can take things so calmly you have a whole briefcase full of money now we had a great time didn't we we had a marvelous time What's a sense of ruining with what we should have done? You're right. (laughs) Maybe it's better this way. We're getting just a little bit crazy with all that money we. Sure. (laughs) But we were so close. It was just in the palm of my hands. I just please (laughs) listen to me, as a gambler, listen to me. You could run this over in your mind a thousand times. Who I should have done that? Who I should have done this? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do this? All of it means nothing. All the talk doesn't mean anything. Because this one thing is for sure. There is no such thing as a sure thing. That's why they call it gambling. You're right. <laughs> So miserable about. We had a wonderful time. We sure we? did. We're not out anything. We're just back where we started. Absolutely. We made a lot of money. We had a wonderful two inches. <laughs> <time. laughs>
1: um. So in this scene, Felix and Oscar go to the betting window with a briefcase full of money that they you know, <laughs> that they bet everything on. Um, when Oscar says it's called losing by a nose. At the beginning, Felix puts his fingers at the both ends of Oscar's nose and to measure how little it is that rings and things lost by. He does that Even again. They're
2: talking about a horse. They're talking about a horse nose.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> and he does that again at the end of the scene. Right. Now, there's an unintentional laugh in there. I don't know if you noticed this. So, well, I'm not sure what he meant. When Felix says you're right about after yes. Oscar says the right. gambling, right. he slaps right. Oscar's thigh and the beer in the can oscars all oh, right yes comes yes. out of the of the can he slaps his yeah. thigh so hard that the oh. beer jumps out i don't think that was intentional and no, no no
2: no no but you think that i didn't realize that's why they're laughing that is why
1: they're laughing because yeah. they
2: see this beer because they're thinking a beer yeah, oscar yeah, yeah, messi because yeah. i it is a weird yeah i wasn't sure at first i noticed the beer but i didn't connect it to the laugh and i thought well what? that's not a funny line or maybe they're just laughing at felix on, like you know reversing himself no
1: they're laughing him. at the beer
2: and it is weird though because it's, it's a very dramatic he gives a, a serious speech there oscar
3: so
1: yes and and Oscar and felix like it helps felix get over this and he slaps him right. on the thigh like legitimately thank you pal and right. i don't think it was intentional that that beer no no no, no. definitely not no. um and I've, i always whenever i'm not a gambler myself and whenever i i don't know Gambling is somehow comes into my view from TV or reading an article. I always think about Oscar, say that's yep. why they call it gambling. Um, yeah, I, I, I
2: agree. I feel the same way. And in fact, I'd say this is like my favorite dramatic moment, yep. that non comic moment and Klugman delivers it so powerfully and so sincerely um it's one of his finest acting moments I think in the whole because it's probably because he's so he you know Klugman is a gambler and yes knows, right yeah, yeah. I think it really comes it, it's a, a case where they're writing for him um and I, I I did notice in Edward Gross's book he quotes Mark Rothman on this episode who Mark Rothman who's not the credited writer but as a staff writer could have contributed he said he's also a kind of a gambling addict so maybe they're you know the writers are also feeling this but the way Klugman delivers it, uh, it it's it's such a beautiful piece of writing in about like 15 seconds you know it just so succinctly sums up a, a way of life and and it's so it is a it's a great only a I think a real gambler would also think to have Oscar have this reaction that Oscar can laugh it off because he constantly loses. At just you know he'll win and then he loses and that's kind of what you have to accept if you go on with gambling. And uh, and Felix of course can't get over that, so it creates a great tension in the scene. And yes, of course it's such a memorable line because how can you forget Jack Hugman say, "Gambling,"
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> Slowing down and like right in Felix's face. And, um, but I was always frustrated that they couldn't hold on to, <laughs> I don't know how much, how much, I mean, I don't know that we know how much,
2: how much do you think they had in that briefcase? Well, I don't know what the, well, he takes out, he says $5 for socks, and which by the way, that is one of the funniest lines. That's one of the funniest lines in the series is $5 yeah. for socks. Yeah. Because you have to picture the briefcase full of, I'm sure there are, what do you think? It's 20,000? What's picking up? I don't
1: know. 20,000.
2: Yeah, I don't know. What, what are the bills? I mean, that implies it's $5 bills. I don't think it's all $5 bills,
1: but let's say it's $20,000 in there. Let's just say that.
2: You could fit $1,020 bills in a briefcase. Yeah. So sure,
1: let's right. say it's 20000 Like, why couldn't right, right. they say $5,000? Why <laughs> do know, have- because,
2: because Felix is nuts. That's, I know. That's how, that's how bad he's been, how, how, how far he's been driven, which, and it, it stretches credibility. Yes. But I do think that pause when they're looking at the briefcase.
1: It just always, it, just it always frustrated me. I know it just always bugged Hilarious. me as a child when I wasn't yes, able I to know. like distinguish TV from real right, life right. sometimes. Right. That right. uh, these two people were, couldn't save a lot more money than that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, really Oscar. The, the key here is Oscar
2: knows that uh, the job, what's his name, the jockey? Harry I'm Tallman. Already. Harry, thank you, Mr. Tallman, uh, he said uh, he didn't say it was a sure thing. Right, Oscar right. knows, gamblers all... know each other when they mean it's a sure thing when there isn't. But of course, Oscars, well, the fact that Oscar says there's no such thing as a sure thing,
1: Uh that contradicts stuff you wonder he how, said. He, how he could have trusted Harry all along. Right, because he, he says it's a sure thing earlier, kind of. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I almost wish Harry had never said that to him. I almost blame Harry. Yeah. That's true. Why was he floating
2: this uh, thing? Well, you know, they no. They, the obvious thing is they should have bet, you know, maybe several thousand to uh, show. You know, that. because right. he right because he ended up coming in second. The yeah, horse. Yeah, that's true. And, that's a good uh, point. Uh, and yeah. Harry wasn't saying he was going to win, but saying it was a good horse. Right. You know. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, that's what I would have done. And Oscar could have really kind of taken over the situation, and and
2: yes, probably, I think although,
1: so. Although, yeah. although he's also not necessarily a uh logical thinker when it comes to gambling himself as they we're really about to find out felix, they show
2: felix taking the money out of the briefcase yes at the window yeah.
1: right <laughs> and oscar so, oscar is trying to stop him but can't in, much. in the tag they're in the kitchen felix says you know that is a difference between you and me i cured myself i got over it you can't seem to do it can you I at least got over the gambling fever, but you're still hooked. You don't care what happens to you, do you? You don't care how humiliated you make yourself. You'll do anything, won't you? You'll do anything for $2. All right, go ahead, do it. Then Oscar does the popping noise and Felix gives Oscar $2 and he immediately runs out of the room, presumably to make a bet. (laughs) And this is one of the better tags in the show because you don't really understand what's going on. Right. And Oscar has this look of, of embarrassment and humiliation. Yes,
2: the right. Which is interesting that his he's they've they've role reversed since right. the last scene. That now Oscar is the desperate gambling addict <laughs> and it's a great callback. I wonder uh, if uh, did Klugman really learn how to do that, or is Fritzfeld like off camera? Oh, dubbing him.
1: I'm gonna go. Or they the f- just reuse the sound. Bite? I'm gonna bet the former. Uh, I like this episode a lot. That Ted. Even though I find horse racing incredibly boring, uh, the episode itself is very strong. It tells a story that even though it's a little far-fetched is somehow believable. Uh, And you do feel like you've been through like an event in their lives. It's one of those episodes which we've mentioned before where it really feels like a full complete story was told and not just a series of funny scenes. Strong guest cast, good use of multiple sets yeah off track betting you have the including including windows. the
2: and then the actual film right. uh, so location. aside
1: from the exterior you have the the restaurant the off track betting and the the booths for for betting plus all the yep. exteriors um so i give it four and a half out of five Marie's. the only reason i don't give it five is because a lot of the scene is taken up by these montages which are entertaining to see but I feel like mm-hmm. take away a bit from the show, as you say, one of them was cut. Um, but it is a, a highly enjoyable episode and one um, that really has, I think goes, probably goes a little bit undervalued by the non mm-hmm. by the more casual Odd Couple fan. Right. Um, yeah. But it's really funny and strong.
2: Oh, I totally agree. And I, I will, I, I know what you're saying about the uh, extensive, uh exterior filmed clips but that didn't detract for me as much i mean especially since it unlike other episodes where the where the uh the film sequences take over this even despite all that they as you say it's an action-packed episode and it doesn't you know there's so there's like four or five really solid scenes that are that the whole thing is built around um so it didn't detract from me. I give this definitely a five. It's one of my favorites. I think also maybe, maybe you have a, a little, you know, uh horse racing leads uh, maybe a little bad taste in your mouth. But I, while I never uh, uh, bet on the ponies myself, I did grow up familiar with horse racing. My father, you know, was of that generation where going to the track and betting was like uh, an activity for a sports fan. If, if, if horse racing was one of the sports you followed, you participated and you know going to the track was a social event with friends and um uh and i've been to an otb i with with him yeah you know, i think he just for fun took me one day you know and this would have been in like the early late 70s early 80s um so i'm i i i'm fond of that by the way do you know the? it reminded me of the seinfeld also did an episode otb under different circumstances where elaine so much jack black where elaine has to i think he gives she gives she has to give a fake phone number to the guy who wants to date her and gives the number of the otv
1: oh um by the way my grandfather there's another seinfeld connection my grandfather owned a horse that ran that actually for racing racing, he we have uh, somewhere it was called mail order because my my grandfather ran a mail order business and um Somewhere there's a plaque. I don't know where it is now. Actually, I think about it. Of it, it won some sort of race, not like Kentucky Derby level, but right, right. But my father, hey, my well, grandfather, just
2: though. just like Jack Klugman, who of course uh, ended up buying Jackie Klugman, or Jacqueline Clugman,
1: I think, right? Was it Jacqueline that? or Jackie Clugman? I... Who he, who
2: who he ran in the Derby
1: once? Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't think I knew that story.
2: Yeah. After uh, this would have been like shortly after our Couple or during Quincy, in the late seventies. He. uh finally he achieved his dream that oscar says in the other horse race the dog racing episode oh right that he wants to own a racehorse and jack cloveman finally did yeah it's either i'm not going to take the time to look this up now but i'm sure fans know whether it was jack jackie or Jacqueline Klugman. uh another thing i really like one of the last thing i really love with the episode is the use of the restaurant as this kind of showing the arc of their journey like in the first restaurant scene he's ignored by the maitre d and then he's um then he's, you know, surrounded by flatterers and the maitre d' is completely, uh, you know, uh, all, all over him. And then the third time, it's Felix, who now is the star, you know, guest at the restaurant, uh, diner at the restaurant, you know. So every restaurant scene kind of, t- it tells the whole thing through, uses the restaurant to tell the story of their success, which is very specific. And, and you get to use Fritz Feld as the maitre d'. And so um,
1: that works very well for this. If you have any feedback on this episode, you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Just a programming scheduling note, uh, we will not be recording an episode next week due to I'm on vacation, going out of town. So we will be back in two weeks for the next episode. Garrett, don't beg. Not in front of my entourage, Ted.